Hi, and welcome to the Science Ready Podcast, uh, where I talk to amazing women in science, music, and the arts. Today, I'm talking to a good friend of mine uh, and also an amazing filmmaker. Uh, her name is Nina Salamans, and um, Nina is an award-winning filmmaker whose work spans across various platforms, from a YouTube gaming channel to short films, feature films, documentaries, and branded contents. She was chosen as an emerging filmmaker as part of Modern Tales in 2017. Besides knowing how to tell evocative stories, she's also an XR specialist after working for Europe's largest XR media website, VR Focus, for two and a half years. Nina is a keen community grower with a strong belief in inclusion and diversity in emerging technology. This is clear in her organizing, judging, or creating for film festivals to planning of hackathons. She's also one of the founders of Women in VR Meetup Group in 2016 and led the VR Diversity Initiative in 2018. Welcome, Nina. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? Good. Did I you? leave anything out? Uh, no, I think that's that's a good introduction. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. One, because you're a good friend. And then two, because we work in overlapping spaces. I'm really excited to kind of learn more also about your advocacy work. I always call you an, an advocate around inclusive diversity, uh, design or innovation within the space. Can you tell us a bit more about kind of what you're currently doing? Because I, I introduced you as a filmmaker you're working in immersive technology, you've been kind of a journalist for VR Focus, and then you're a diversity uh, advocate. What are you currently working on? <laughs> I'm working on a lot of things at the moment. I, I know it's really hard to keep track of, even I have problems myself. So um, as a side project, I'm actually working on a little VR dance film, mm -hmm. and it's based on uh, my sister, actually, and she okay. did a whole piece about growing up and getting older and it was mm. all about life and death and I okay. really got obsessed with the idea of what's what's life really about mm. how can you tell a story without any dialogue um, and how can you do it in VR and so I'm trying to make this really short beautiful film which is all done through body language of movement rather than through dialogue and it, it plays a lot with um, animation so it's an animation yeah. piece 360 film and yeah trying to get it made somehow, way, shape, or form, and get it funded. So that's one project I'm working yeah, on. Yeah, sounds amazing. And then I've got a, a project on the side, which I set up a company for, mm -hmm. and uh, that's trying to bring virtual reality into prisons. Mm -hmm. So right now there's a pilot program that's starting, and then hopefully as the prison staff get more accustomed with virtual reality mm -hmm. and the possibilities of it, then hopefully I can start uh, expanding that to mm -hmm. some degree, shape, or form bring some rehabilitation in and break the cycle. And then I just started a new job working for a creative tech company called Initium. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a tech consultant. I am looking for new people, new clients, new projects mm -hmm. that are really exciting. Um, it, particularly, I'm interested in education. I'm interested in, in storytelling mm -hmm. and uh, any anything that's really cool. So definitely like fashion, wearable tech, mm -hmm. uh, trying to create partnerships with people who are doing interesting things because I just want to be on the cutting edge. I want to yeah, bring yeah. people together and build things that have never been done before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is which is amazing. And <laughs> personally, as well, I think that's the most fun part of yeah. kind of work to be or anything really if you kind of can push things forward and especially in the space that we work in in immersive technologies and trying to push kind of the boundaries 
you you mentioned education, just mm-hmm. that you're looking for projects in education. But what is your uh, and about a kind of prison uh, staff getting used to virtual reality, mm-hmm. as a lot of people are not used to virtual reality yet. But in any any type of uh, like whether it's in film or in in our immersive technologies, it's very cutting edge technologies. Can you tell us a bit more about the importance of education there? Because a lot of people might not be aware of what is around as well, mm. and but also the use of it. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, we can go into a huge sector mm. of education. I think it's one of yeah. the largest sectors. Mm. I had a friend recently who passed away who mm. helped me out with a VR diversity initiative, and his, his dream was to bring VR into classrooms. So one mm. of the greatest possibilities of virtual reality is to, I think, really give individuals an opportunity to go into a classroom into a a school system that otherwise they would never be able to afford Mm -hmm. and get lessons from people they could otherwise never have access to Mm -hmm. so one of the things that he did chris long Mm -hmm. is a guy by the way Mm -hmm. um he invited me over to langley college and he had set up with vive and steve bambury in dubai a classroom where I was in with 12 other students mm-hmm. and I had no idea I was going to be doing this. Steve was in Dubai and he was showcasing us all of these stone hinges where all of these children, and they had never been in VR before and I'd never been in a social VR mm-hmm. classroom with about 12 different people before. So we were really testing the platform, mm-hmm. which was Engage. And we went to Mars. We basically had a little mini, you know, magic school bus field trip. Yeah. And then what blew my mind is that we entered a classroom and uh, I got taught about quantum uh, physics and mechanics uh, by the guy who created the algorithm that allowed us to make 3D objects in computers and the co-founder of Pixar. And I was just like... I mean, <laughs> what is going on? So that's like an example. It's like excitement all over. Oh, I can't even begin to explain. And, you know, with augmented reality mm. as well, there's there's a huge possibility for education. And really what it's all about, it's about uh, visuals. So if you're like me, who is extremely visual as mm-hmm. a person, as, as you know, you can see me doing film, mm-hmm. physically seeing something and physically being there, it's just a lot more immersive. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I, I went into... Uh, filmmaking mm-hmm. was because I wanted to change the world. Mm-hmm. I was very naive and I thought, oh, I can make a story and people will relate and it's going to be the most life-changing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the the London Film Festival back when I was a student and I remember seeing this South American film called White Elephant. Okay, I haven't seen it yet. It's, not a lot of people know about it. I keep referencing mm-hmm. it, but this film changed the laws in yep. the country. Okay. And I think anything that can make such a huge impact and change a law, I mm. think is incredible. I think mm-hmm. it's amazing that you can persuade people and it was all done through story. Um, and I grew up, uh, my dad is a diplomat, so mm-hmm. he worked with refugees. So we lived in developing countries mm-hmm. and certain areas where, you know, I would see people live on mounds of trash and there'd be, you know, bullets into the walls and we you know, always have guards around us. And so, you know, quite dangerous areas. And so mm-hmm. I, when I would try, pe- try and tell people, this is real life, this is what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I think we're so overwhelmed with terrible news all the time, mm-hmm. especially with Brexit and Trump and, mm-hmm. you know, global warming and everything else. Terrible things are happening and we're just shutting off information and mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. because it's, it's negative, it's bad. So how can we tell a story where we can really 
change your your point of view and your perspective and I actually learned a lot from video games yeah what was different from video games versus filmmaking is that you're not a passive audience mm. you're active doing it yourself engaged. yeah and uh, I remember you know crying when one of my characters would die and um I realized that what video games have what films is missing is that I can put you into an environment mm -hmm. and the story becomes yours. Mm -hmm. In a film, it's not really your story. You're just passively watching someone. Mm -hmm. But what if I can create a virtual world, an environment where you become a player and your choices make a difference? Mm -hmm. And you can have a non-linear story and whatever you do impacts everybody else. And therefore, it makes you feel more involved. And if someone or something were to happen that you were responsible for in a good or a bad way, you can see in like Fable or mm -hmm. all of the games that are coming out, it makes you feel more responsible, more engaged, and it makes you really interact with characters mm -hmm. um, that isn't possible in like an hour and a half feature film or mm -hmm. something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. So, yeah, it does very, it, it, it's so true that, well, one, okay, if you're in the game, you experience a lot more things intense. But also the other thing, I think, even if you're not part of the game, but if the story is told in such a way that you kind of just try, start feeling responsible in some way or start mm -hmm. thinking at least about it, like toad-provoking. There was actually an exhibition, the video games exhibition that was Science in the VNA. Yeah, uh, the the VNA. And there was a part of the exhibition that was about the basically the violence in video games, for uh -huh. example, like shooting uh -huh. uh, the shooter games and how they couldn't use violence and so on. But then actually the roles were reversed. Uh -huh. So actually, you as a gamer, you were be sh you were shot, you were at, shot at. Yeah, well, you didn't have any gun or uh -huh. anything to shoot at, and so the the experience was very. It was to make people aware of basically what it would feel like. Mm -hmm. uh, in another type, like to be make people aware around gun violence and and um, the potential implications, I guess, of 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 playing these shooter games if you're actually didn't in the other to experience it from the other side yeah. while while you're playing. Yeah, it was very interesting um, to kind of yeah see that perspective as well. Like for you, is there a medium that would be most powerful? Like, if you would go out and try and, and change the world again in something, which medium would you choose to do it in? It depends on what's happening in the story. Who are you? You know, how does it unfold? There's so many different ways of telling a story. Mm -hmm. But sometimes a radio show mm -hmm. might be the right way of telling a story. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes uh, VR might be the right way of telling a story. There's differences and there's different impacts. So... You know, I can. I my my parents think I live in La La Land when, when I describe what I do. They don't quite get it. Mm. The way that I describe it is very much like taking a pill and then you're you know you're going on some type of drug trip and dream. Mm. The the graphics and the quality aren't there yet. But if you have a strong imagination, mm. then you know you can definitely be impacted by a lot more than a film mm. just because you're physically immersed in it. Mm. Um, and so I think it really depends on what is a story, how are you trying to change people's mind, and is this the right format to tell the story? Mm -hmm. Inaratu created uh, the, the Carnet VR experience mm -hmm. about, you know, migrants on the Mexican mm -hmm. border, and that really, you know, changed the way people thought about storytelling, because it's, it's visual, it's beautiful, it's moving, and then, you know, is that the right way of telling the story? It might be for certain types of people. Mm -hmm. 
others, like my parents, would, wouldn't want to be inside a headset, mm-hmm. and they prefer much more being a passive viewer. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 again, it depends completely on the on the individual. It's just a completely different format. Yeah. And yeah. within VR and within AR, you know, you've got location-based entertainment mm-hmm. as well, and all of them have their subsections. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I definitely see is that there's there's kind of because I come from gaming and because I've done film mm-hmm. and there's a new tech, I've got this unique triangle mm-hmm. of different skills that a lot of people might not have. Mm-hmm. People who work in tech might just have worked in tech. Mm-hmm. People who work in gaming are in their own gaming community. People who work in film are in own film. But I'm able to see the crossover between mm-hmm. the three and see what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, if that yeah. makes any sense. Absolutely. And I think it's a very unique skill or, or talent or knowledge that you bring together because for me as well, I think in VR, what or immersive technologies, what will make the difference is how the content is being brought to the audience. And that is not about, because with tech, you can push a lot of things forward, but if the content is not there, people will not be engaged. Uh, And And if it's just a gaming thing, people will not, well, they do it once, they might not want to as well, because you have the, but but I think when the story is, is brought in such a way that, you just want to know more. Do you play video games? I did. Yeah, I sometimes do still once in a while, yeah. like Monument Valley and okay. so on. The mobile phone-based ones currently more. And and the ones in VR once in a while. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's two interesting games that you yeah. should look at, which I think have really impacted the mm-hmm. way that stories are told. I mean, there's probably more now. Mm-hmm. Um, Journey is a game that came out and that I think is visually quite stunning. Is an example of a, of a story where you can't talk to other players mm-hmm. and it's a social experience but you know I played it and I couldn't speak to this other player that showed up and we were just singing to each other and floating around these beautiful environments but I felt so connected to mm-hmm. them you know and that's something that's really difficult to do if you can't speak to somebody mm-hmm. the game manager should do that in a very beautiful evocative way another game that I would also mention is the the last of us which has mixed video games and films. When you play The Last of Us, it feels like you're watching a movie, but mm-hmm. you're part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Once you start bringing that over across to, you know, immersive experiences, mm-hmm. you're you're reaching a completely different level of, of storytelling. Yeah, 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 because you become a an, an actor in the or a, it's in the play theater. or in the film. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that's I mean, immersive mm-hmm. theater. I've said this many times, and I'll say it again. Is if you come from immersive theater and you go into virtual reality, you you have you have everything. You yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. And then you just need to maybe play some more video games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, gaming is changing. Film is changing. And there's a lot of crossover between all the three. And you, you started seeing it with music composers. Composers mm-hmm. who only made music for films, you know, crossover into video games. And it became more cinematic. The lighting became more cinematic. The way there's visual storytelling like cues yeah, yeah, yeah. that you know happen from video games, like you know a light shows up and you know that that's where you have to go, mm, for yeah. example, or the way a level is designed. These are all things I think industries, especially in in VR, uh, should should learn from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I love Monument Valley so much as well. I don't know if you played it, but it's. This kind it's of like a puzzle game. It's a puzzle game. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's like very, it's very calm, very, but it's yeah. puzzle solving, and then you, you're basically guided from the start to the end to through the kind of story of a mother and her child and her daughter through, and they they go on this journey together of exploration, and 
and it's it's yeah it's such a kind of such a nice game and the music that comes with it as well when you're like you feel like you're immersed and it's it kind of the way as you said as well with the lights and how it works it just kind of guides yeah. you to yeah. it and you you just want to continue playing and <laughs> <laughs> and and so yeah i think that's that's incredible if you if you if you're able to kind of do that what's your thoughts on on uh, the movie bandersnatch you know the oh the netflix the, the next one. netflix one uh, where you actually become <laughs> That you decide how the movie progresses. Yeah, uh, so I I was supposed to, I was waiting for someone to play it with me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't actually done it yet. Yeah, I started, but I something else came up, so I, we can do it together. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that would be good. Um, no, so, so I think Black Mirror and Charlie Brooker. So Charlie Brooker came from video games. Mm -hmm. He was a video games journalist for a really long time, and then he went into the format of you know, storytelling for Netflix. And I have to say, coming from from film and TV, Netflix is really interesting to look at, all of the mm. VOD platforms, simply mm. because they've taken over. Um, and you can see all of the other big companies like um, Disney, you know, try and compete, and mm. Amazon try and compete, and Facebook try and compete. Everyone's trying to create content that, you know, reigns people in. But please, guys, please stop the subscription model. It's driving me insane. Yeah. There's so many subscription <laughs> models. Um there's no one for all. <laughs> oh, God. I'd rather just pay up for it, to be honest. But uh, what I think is interesting about that is he's taken non-linear storytelling and he's put it into a mass consumer format. Um, and people love the Black Mirror thing. And I think it's re I think it comes from video games, to be mm. honest. Again, he's taken something that comes from a different mm. format, moved it over to film. And if there's a way to tell non-linear stories via Netflix and people are enjoying it, fantastic. Right. That's great. There's mm -hmm. a mix over between the two different ways of t telling stories. Mm -hmm. And I, I used to do that as a child. I used to choose the pick your own adventure books, and I would yeah, change yeah. and turn, yeah, yeah. and I love them. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Go. Yeah. Go Charlie Brooker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there would be no limitations of budget, like if if you would have to create the movie or the experience you would want to create, what would it be? What would it be essentially? Mm. Like, there's no limits. There's no limit of money. There's no limit of what you can do, what you can't do, and you have like everything to your disposal, the most cutting edge technology that you can have. I'm sh I'm sure this could be its own company, and I don't have the means to make it. But if anybody's listening, uh, please hire me because this is what I'd love to do. It's actually creating content for self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. um, I think self-driving cars are the perfect vehicle as a virtual reality experience, and I think you can combine that with GPS locations to mm -hmm. tell kind of like your own click and tell story mm -hmm. through physically moving to a location. And I think that would be an incredible amount of fun when it comes to like unlimited amount of budget besides that i mean that's too far in the future you need a car that's like yeah. a bubble with yeah. rounded, mm -hmm. <laughs> rounded safe and safe and <laughs> it's you know that might be too far in the future but i would love to kind of create an experience that's esports mixed with different esports celebrities from around the world mm -hmm. and i'd put them all into VR warehouses and I'd have them compete for a giant competition, kind of like the Olympics. Oh yeah. Um, and then I'm not sure there's a, there's a, <laughs> I used to be a huge fan of Minecraft. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I used to follow um, the creators and they had their YouTube channel where they went on this adventure um, 
this quest and these people, these communities have built these beautiful worlds. And I, I think it would kind of be a beautiful adventure to follow. And you can click and choose who you'd want mm-hmm. to follow mm-hmm. um, on their adventure. And it could be tailor-made just for you, um, whichever advice you, device you'd like to be on. Yeah. And then, I don't know, maybe there is a way to have you participate in the story as well, you know, in some way, shape or form. And I think that would be this epic quest and journey mm. through any possible like scenario. You yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but it's true. Like, yeah, if, if, if obviously a lot of things wouldn't be a limitation, yeah, it would be so much fun to kind of explore what you can do and mm. push kind of, but also that people would use, obviously, and, and are able to use as well, because today, obviously, that there's limitations to virtual reality, for example, because so few people have a headset. I mean, there's a group of people that have one, but... I think we're actually... So to, we're in 2019, mm-hmm. and I've been speaking to people outside of the VR bubble, and for the first time, this is the first time... Mm-hmm when I tell people what I do, that they actually get what I'm doing. Yeah. And I've never had that before. Yeah. The, but they get it. They, they don't know how to describe it. They don't have the words for it. The, the technical term is, it's not important. They understand what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. They the might not time. have tried it, but they just know. They know about it. And I, I'm like, I'm so bloody excited. I'm really excited for it because it means that finally there will be maybe some revenue to help the creators and mm. the builders to mm. to push technology where it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I I have to agree actually because and I think I mean the media obviously or has 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 had a role to play because obviously they like big companies have made videos using VR showing them on on TV or like in train stations or something. But even my mother, she, okay, she obviously knows what I'm working on. <laughs> That's uh, good. <laughs> good. But, but still, she, she, aside from that, obviously, but she was coming with her own suggestions of, could you do this? Mm. And could you do that? And, and that's really amazing because she's not she doesn't have she has a creative background but not a technical background and it's really uh, like amazing to hear people then well could you do this or just getting what it means um so yeah we flipped I guess a page now I know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which We're which is quite the exciting of something yeah. exciting and new. Yeah. Where I was, you know, a few years ago, I was like, oh my God, we can do so many things. Yeah, no, but it's, it's inc- like going back to basically why you started with film and why you kind of, mm. you kind of explained a bit how, why you did it. But was there someone on the journey that said, or even today, kind of why you switched into VR, why you can, that was inspiring you and... Um, yeah, so I... I when it came to going into virtual reality, I first got in touch with AR, actually. And because I played lots of video games mm-hmm. and I was playing Mass Effect at the time, I was given an iPad, someone put a card, QR code, and this huge T-Rex came mm-hmm. out and I just flipped. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And I was moving back and forth with it. I was going up and down. I was. And, you know, the guy was loving it. I mean, it's clear. And then they put a building there instead. It was an architectural building. He's like, move forward. And I was moving through the building. I can see the tables and the chairs and the windows. And <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I was like, what is this? I need to be part of this. I don't know what came over me, but within a year, I was at every single event and meetup. I was like, I need to know what's going on. And 
coming from film and TV and gaming, I made a whole video game about female gamers Mm. um, and female representation. Mm. And I got a lot of hate online for being a female gamer. um, And even just talking about it was quite taboo. I think it's changed now. And so I created the Women in VR meetup with Luciana and Amandine, where we thought it'd be nice to create a little cohort of mm-hmm. women working in a space who were interested, wanted to work together, wanted to be in a safe little bubble and space where they didn't feel intimidated by mm-hmm. being a woman in the room surrounded by men in suits. Um, and that's kind of where my journey started. And I wanted to organize hackathons. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring creative people with the tech people together because I came from the creative world and I was meeting all of these tech people. You know, WeWork was just starting out. Huckletree mm-hmm. wasn't even here yet. Mm-hmm. Google Campus had just opened up here in London. And I thought, we need to put these people together. What can we do? So I organized a surgery hackathon. And um, I got in touch with Shafi and um, actually... We love you, Shafi. We love you, Shafi. (laughs) And then a company came out of it, uh, Jewelgood, a company that Mm. uses virtual reality to do CPR training. Um, And I was immensely proud of that. And everyone said to me, why are you doing this? You come from film. You shouldn't be here. And I was told this all the time, continuously, of like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I just ignored them. <laughs> just like, I'm genuinely interested in this. And I should have done that with my YouTube channel. I would have probably be like a millionaire right now. <laughs> An influencer. An influencer. <laughs> but my parents said, oh, no, you know, YouTube, what is it? And then Google bought YouTube and uh, I failed in life. And I could have been <laughs> an amazing YouTube gamer. But instead, I guess I decided... There were bigger things for you. Yeah, there. I was yeah. like, this, this is something... There's so much possibility. There's so much that you can do with this. And mm. I, I, I saw what people are seeing now. Mm. Yes, there have been lots of people who've told me, you shouldn't be here. Mm. What are you doing here? You have no background in technology. What makes you think you can come in here? And mm. But, you know, I proved them wrong, so screw them. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's really great and it's incredible. And, um, yeah, everyone else... Well, they can see what it's their problem in the end. You just but I, this do. is the thing. I yeah. encourage anybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is why diversity is so important yeah. because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what background you have. This is a new technology, and we need more diverse voices to be part of the conversation. Because mm. otherwise, we're gonna have the same thing that happened in video games. Mm. We're gonna have the same thing that happened with film. Why did the hashtag Me Too movement start? It all started because of this okay. loop of you know, individuals living in their own bubbles. And I already, I see the bubbles, you know, there are the film bubbles, there are mm. the gaming bubbles, there's mm. the tech bubbles. There needs to be more people. Yeah, yeah. It's just not happening fast enough. No, no and, and I agree. And, and you already mentioned it before, like when you made the game, uh, the female gamer film Docu- documentary, yeah, documentary. Um, that you got a lot of just things thrown at you because of what you were doing hate. or like hate I got hate. 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 hate exactly a lot of hate. which is which is crazy and but sad and happens all the time today i, I remember when we were we wrote uh, with 20 women um vision statement for women in vr um and it was exactly the same like especially the organizer when she came out with it or they came out with it like directly the hate on Twitter started and and even to us they were saying do you really want to have your name published with it or not because this this might potentially be the implications Mm. but we were all yes 
we will go on it. We're online. We're on the website. We all instantly said, you can put our names there. It doesn't matter. We support this and it has to change, like you say. Yes. Um, So I guess like what was when I gamed, uh, because I gamed a lot, I I had a, I had a, what I, I made fun of the fact that I was being hated on so Mm -hmm. much. Um, I had a clan and it's called Nina Nico's Kitchen Clan. (laughs) Because whenever I went online, people would say, why don't you make me a sandwich? Or, you know, something along those lines. Or why aren't you doing your housework and cleaning and, and all these derogatory sexist things? And I just created a, a clan where people were funny and supportive and I'd invite people in who would abuse me and I'd say, welcome to my kitchen. And the guys would say, what do you want on your sandwich? Do you want some tomatoes, some bologna, you know, and it'd kind of be seen as a joke. And the whole idea is just at the very end of the day, we're all just human. Mm. It doesn't really matter what we sound like or what we look like or what skin killer we have or what religion. And, and you know, these values and ethics were instilled by me, by my parents. Mm-hmm. Because my, my father fought for the rights of, you know, refugees, mm. people who were being judged by all of these things. Um, and that's that's everything that's me. I mean, my whole life, I'm adopted, I'm Dutch, I look Asian, I sound American. And whenever I meet someone, I have to fight with mm. them about who I am as a person. Mm. And so I've always existed on the fringes. I've always existed as someone who doesn't fit in. Mm. And I think those are the people who have the most to tell. And especially when it comes to user interaction design in VR, AR, what if you have no arms? What if you can't speak? What if you've got no legs? How do you move in VR? How do you speak to someone mm-hmm. in VR? How do you high-five someone in VR or AR, any of these things? And the solution doesn't lie within the people who already live in that bubble. We need to look for people who have lived their whole lives in a different way Mm. and they can bring the solutions because they see the world in a way that we don't Mm -hmm. and they are the key to the future Mm -hmm. yeah i couldn't agree more it's uh without people that actually have the disabilities have accessibility issues and and or people from other backgrounds other racial backgrounds so that uh, genders uh you can't make something that works for everyone. So it's not inclusive design. Usually today, it's not inclusive design when no. something is developed. Like AI uh, is, a, is a great example. Yeah, Voice abs- recognition abs- is a great example. Uh, a lot of design is based on what we already know. But what we already know is you know, is, is history. Mm-hmm. And what does history tell us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Can you go into a bit more detail on, like, what would you encourage everyone to do or especially because you you're very much a diversity advocate and obviously you want to like like uh, like a lot of people in our we want to make a difference Mm. going forward in how things are being developed whether it's in film or immersive tech or well just in general as well obviously in in terms of uh, communication and communicating between people but like what would be a first thing that everybody would be able to do would there be something that you would say, if you start with this, things might change gradually going forward? If everybody would kind of make a certain... I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> I mean, it's a very difficult topic to tackle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it will probably take another two generations for it to be fully integrated mm-hmm. if you know politics sort of continues the way it is now in mm-hmm. the sense that 
where we have to stay liberal, open-minded, and we have to also, we have to allow people to fail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of our economic constructs and the way we design things are all about success. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not about growth and sometimes it's not about success and it's about learning Mm -hmm. and it's about making mistakes and being able to admit that you've made a mistake and learn from those mistakes Mm -hmm. that's what we should be doing now we should be acknowledging that that there are problems and once we've made that acknowledgement we can then make a difference Mm -hmm. so uh diversity isn't about gender it's more about perspective experience and experience Mm -hmm. it's not really about how you look or what you are it's more about what's inside Mm -hmm. what have you experienced in your life i'm sure there's a lot of children out there who have gone through hell and I've got a lot to learn from them you know Mm. I think it's also about having a conversation or Mm. a discourse with someone who disagrees with you Mm. we have this data bubble where we see things on Instagram that we like we follow Facebook artists that we like that we follow politicians that we like that we follow but what about the people that we disagree with We're creating a huge polarity. We're creating a huge gap of opinions and views. And instead of being able to sit and talk and see different people's opinions, Mm. we're saying ours is better, yours is not. And that's that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's created this huge polarization in politics, Mm. in class, and in perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a really bad thing. So one of the best things to do is... This isn't hating on anybody, you know? There's a lot of people who feel, with what I was doing with the VR Diversity Initiative, they felt attacked for being white, for being male, for being privileged and having an educated background. But it's not about you. Mm. It really isn't. You are doing a fantastic job. You should continue what you're doing. But please help and support individuals who might not have had that step up that you have. Mm. Um, A lot of individuals think there's so much support for individuals who come from underrepresented groups, people of color, ethnic minorities, LGBTQ. And the reason because of that, because of that support is look around you. Look around you, look at the numbers, look at the people, Mm. and then look at their culture and their history. Mm. Do they come from a place that's very different to you? Do you feel personally challenged or uncomfortable with that and then you should probably ask yourself the questions why do you feel uncomfortable about it Mm -hmm. and what can you do to to not be uncomfortable around it Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I've again I've come from a privileged background Mm -hmm. and I've had the luck I suppose of being surrounded by diverse people my whole life and so I've never understood why um why you would hate someone like us uh because at the end of the day, we're just we're the same as you. We're just human. Yeah, I guess yeah. Like you mentioned before, a lot is around lack of communication, fear of communication. It's fear, definitely. Yeah, and then obviously the blowing up of media, and also I guess like you mentioned the closing off of media in a way because of people only going into social media, nobody, nobody not looking at newspaper news anymore. anymore news. And even the news has forced to go online. Uh, opinions and blogs and YouTubers mm. all have their own opinion and they're not fact-checked. They're, they have no credentials sometimes. Mm-hmm. Why, why would you take someone's word over a, you know, 
a company that that's journalistic that has that background mm-hmm. <laughs> i i don't understand media and journalism have really gone backwards i think and are very much to blame for this huge you know echo chamber of oh yeah we believe what you believe um and it shouldn't be about that it should be about making people think it should be about making people uncomfortable with mm-hmm. thoughts and ideas and and challenging your way of thinking mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. What's the point of the rise? Yeah, it's I, I, I sometimes feel I guess sad for journalists maybe because they don't have the budget anymore or the, the yeah. freedom or yeah. the because I maybe well deep down if you if you go into journalism, it's not because of the money, because there's few money, it's because you really believe, as you said as well, you can make a difference in the world because of the story that you have to tell. But because of the way it all has changed, the way news is being brought to the people, I guess it makes it really hard for them to... Well, it's also the platforms. Mm. You know, Facebook and Google, Yahoo, Twitter, Instagram. What are all of the things that people engage with? It's it's things that they like. It's Mm. things that they they love. And the more clicks and the more likes, the more shares you have, the mm. more revenue you mm. have, and therefore that's what you base your your information on mm. and that's where you're going to sell back to your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people, they they know it, but they don't, they don't, it doesn't quite click yeah, yeah. just yet. And so, again, having that conversation, we're seeing a lot more stories of people who come from underrepresented background who are different. That's because this, you know, historically this is sort of the first generation after the war the that's boom. comfortable yeah. enough to talk about all of those differences mm. and hopefully the future is bright for for other individuals coming up after us yeah 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 i, I mean i i went through a program um it's called girls rock london so it's a charity that i support and but i was also part of um of the first woman cohort, so it's like a rock rock camp for women, but actually it supports a camp for girls in the summer. So they use music as kind of the immersive environment mm-hmm. for people to be in, to be diverse and learn about themselves, communicate through the, the music to come together. Uh, and, and so in the summer, basically we funded camps in the summer for girls aged nine to 16. And part of the, the camps are paid by people that can actually pay it, but uh, half of the of the places are completely funded at, for underrepresented groups that mm. that can't afford it. But there's no judgment. As soon as people go into the rooms, they're, just a they're weak. They're just a person. Yeah. They they come together. They form four bands with five girls. Mm. Um, where they come from, nobody knows. Everybody just enters on Monday. They they make music. They perform live for their parents, friends, and then. That's it. After a week, they leave again, and obviously, then they go back to their lives. But they also exactly try to make sure that, from a young age, very young age, it's kind of that bringing people together and trying to support um, through it's, the it's use of just, music. It's just engagement. Yeah, engagement. It's just yeah, learning exactly. and talking to a person. When I organize, um, I organize a European Student Film Festival. I think it was like back in two thousand fourteen mm-hmm. or something like that. I made sure that there were 50% uh, female workshop leaders. Because mm-hmm. I was like, there's, you know, 136 students or whatever from all these backgrounds. In their head, they'll probably think, oh, men are responsible or leaders of, of this industry. 
And the truth of the matter, fact is, no, they're not. Mm. There's a lot of amazing people working from different fields working in the area. I had a, an amazing stunts woman who was black, who was a stunts coordinator. She was a body double for Beyonce, and she was doing a stunts workshop. Mm -hmm. And everyone was sneaking away from all the other workshops to see what she was yeah. doing. What she was doing was interesting. She was engaging. Mm -hmm. It was fun. And so, you know, it, it is definitely about having that conversation. And I think immersive technology are, is, is a great way of interacting with other people who, mm -hmm. who might not have that background. And they might be surprised. Mm -hmm. They might be surprised to hear what other people are saying. Um, and our, our history is created by divided lines of people who've taken a ruler and a pen on a map and said, this is this country and it's owned by these people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really work like that. When I lived in Zambia, I think there were 33 different tribes with different languages and different histories and cultures. And even if you look across other countries, there's there's whole villages and communities that have been hacked in half mm -hmm. by a ruler and a pen. Um, which doesn't make sense. Which, you yeah. know, well, resources. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, you know, if you look at it, if you look at the true history mm -hmm. of humans before colonizations and, and, and slavery, um, we, we are all very, very different. And there's something unique and brilliant about it. Mm -hmm. When you look at the high streets now, it's all the same mm -hmm. thing. It's all mm -hmm. quite boring. Mm -hmm. What are the younger people doing now? They're spending less money. They want more personalized items. They want more, they want deeper connectivity with people. Mm -hmm. Most of our populations live in large, big cities. They mm -hmm. don't talk to their neighbors. And it's not community driven mm. and technology has made us very isolated. But I argue that technology can also be used for social good and used to connect people. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I think that's that's really, really important. Yeah. And I think even uh, like immersive technology, uh, like last week, someone asked me the question as well. Like, is, is there no fear that it can become very isolating because mm. people are in their heads? That, and I, I disagree because... Obviously, you couldn't have like social experiences within a headset. Well, normal maybe potentially you might just be alone in your room otherwise, and then suddenly you you can interact with others still being in your flat or or house. Um, and then if you have multiplayer experiences mm -hmm. or multi kind like interactive experiences as well, um, Alexa, it's the same in a way where you can help older people kind of get out of isolation um, scenarios and it's just a speaker essentially that is kind of talking yeah. to you and then you talk to it but um, yeah I think it has a great potential in trying to break that but also danger in, in increasing the isolation obviously so there's like this divide so, or... so, social skills from a young age are very, very mm. important to mm -hmm. develop. And I think physical touch mm. is actually an area that people don't really talk about too mm -hmm. much, but is also very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, I have made some of the best friends online and I've never met them before in real life, but we've gone through experiences that are like, you know, quote unquote, life or death situations. Yeah, yeah. And I have never seen some of my friends in those situations before. I don't know how they would respond. I don't really know them. Mm. But I would argue if you were to go on an adventure and an immersive experience and you share something together, mm -hmm. you shared a history, you shared an experience, mm -hmm. it's something that, you know, that's that's what forms yeah. forms friendships. Mm -hmm. Difficult scenarios under very tricky circumstances where you have to work together in order to solve to a solve problem. Yeah. Um and immersive, immersive experiences can do that, for sure. And 
I mean, the argument is as well that, you know, where we are right now in VR, if you have autism, you work very well in a social VR experience mm. because you can't read the facial expressions because mm. the hand movements and the body movements aren't perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect for them to socialize without feeling judged. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, where we are now is probably going to change with regards to mm -hmm. avatars mm -hmm. and realism. And then yeah, facial recognition, like, like um, I guess, uh, detecting math movements. Yeah, yeah. And all, all of those things are probably going to come in with mm. Facebook have been showcasing. Mm -hmm. It's incredible, all of the AIs that are there. Mm. Um, and yeah, so if we live in a more isolated world and we see all of these films coming out, and especially with the Japanese, and like, uh, if you fall in love with a robot, and la 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 la. Mm. But um, at the end of the day, you're human. We, you need interaction, you mm. need love, and mm. most importantly, you need someone to care and think about you. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that technology can offer, whether that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a beautiful message to like end on and go into the quick fire quiz. Yeah, it's, sure. It's it's yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I haven't even talked about all of the prison stuff or the actually before okay. we go into that, actually I wanna hear more about the prison project as well. Um, because obviously that's really very like a very new project mm -hmm. and very fascinating and and potentially really hard to do as well because obviously a prison environment is not like testing something in a classroom environment and I work in a hospital usually which is not the most straightforward environment to go into but it's easy I mean it's not like in a prison where you need to basically go through all types yeah. of um, ways to actually get the content to the prisoners for example so yeah tell us a bit more about that um well i'd like to sort of bring that in a bigger picture mm. of me you can make this into its own thing i suppose but again going back to the idea of i am adopted my parents are dutch i sound american i look asian mm. i've lived in all of the countries except the country that i'm supposedly from uh that's incredibly confusing and so last year I went on a sort of journey for route tracing mm -hmm. and uh, that was all about trying to find my birth parents and I went back to the orphanage mm -hmm. I came from and it was really shocking because I'm all, I'm all about pro-choice mm -hmm. so you know I was meeting a lot of individuals who were about pro-life pro-life and mm -hmm. seeing me they were thinking I was some type of god uh, coming back to visit them and they saw that there was a purpose for what they were doing um, and I met a young girl there who was 18 years old. She was, I think she was eight, six months in when she found out she was pregnant, and which was too late to have an abortion. Mm. And so she went to the orphanage or the charity organization, and she had just given birth. And the next day, it was Thanksgiving, and I was over there. And um, she was asking me all these questions about, did I speak Chinese? where, you know, what did I want to do? What was my relationship with China and Hong Kong? And then she was like, do you hate her about my birth mom? And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this is, um, I was, no, of course not. I don't yeah. hate her. I, I think what you guys are doing is incredible. It was amazing. You guys are very strong individuals. And when I came back to the UK, there was a company called Cornerstone Partnership and they, with a mission, created a film called Being Me, which is a 360 film experience, but also it's got 3D elements where it starts off in the belly with parents who are abusive 
So alcohol or drug use intake, and then you're a baby and you, these parents end up yelling and screaming at you, mm-hmm. and it's clear that you know they aren't fit parents and they aren't feeding you properly as a mm-hmm. baby. And then finally, you end up going to school and these kids are teasing you because you're not quite fitting in, and it all has to do with stuff related to how your parents mm-hmm. abuse you. And throughout all of these, these experiences, you see these neuron connections above you in three dimensions, and you see the same neurons that are blinking on and off whenever someone's yelling at you. And what happens in, in the film is the girl, at school becomes aggressive, and she starts fighting with the kids at school, and the teacher takes her to the side and says, like, why are you doing this? And the child doesn't know. No, they, no they, they just react. They, they, they just react. Yeah, yeah. And then she ends up going home, and the mother's like, why Why are you doing this? I don't understand. Um, and so the whole experience is, is really amazing. And I first saw it at Rain Dance Film Festival last year. I was handing out um, awards for social VR impact, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. was sort of a runner-up. And as I was going through the experience, I, w- I almost cried. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wish this existed two, three years ago. I could have told my parents that, You know, there are things that are happening subconsciously that I just don't know how to describe, but I'm reacting to them. And Mm -hmm. I know that none of it makes sense and I need to do this whole route tracing thing. So going back to Hong Kong last year was a huge, like, almost not a closure, but I haven't had a lot of triggers or symptoms in the same way that I was having before because maybe I understand a little bit more about where I came from. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting working with Cornerstone, because I was helping train social care workers and foster parents how to go through these experiences, is that it's a nonlinear experience. Mm-hmm. So you can choose, you can see how the teachers respond, or you can see how the parents respond. Mm-hmm. And they use a special approach for children who come from foster care homes, from broken families, how to parent them differently than than your own children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really interesting to see not only the orphanage perspective, the mother's perspective, the social care workers and the foster care parents, and then to go into the prison. Because the prison has a lot of inmates who come from broken homes, mm-hmm. who are foster children, mm-hmm. who have had no support, who have had no help, no community, and they just they just kind of get stifled into a corner and... Mm-hmm. You kind of see them and they might end up homeless on the street and mm-hmm. they have no one to look to. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend who was sort of on the board with the prison and he saw how virtual reality was being used in America to help inmates prepare them for real life. Mm-hmm. And he approached me and said, you know, is this something that you could probably help out with? And I, I was like, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. So I put together some experiences, no violence, of course, and you know, in prison, you're not allowed to use internet, you're not allowed to use phones, you need something that's standalone, so we took in the goes, yeah, 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 and yeah. Um, the feedback has been phenomenal, because we're using it to help or incentivize prisoners to hopefully come and attend workshop classes, so it's a pilot program, and um, what I'm hoping is that, you know, it, it does increase attendance for prisoners coming to classes, and if it does, then hopefully the program will continue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's, you know, a, a way type form that, you know, some type of rehabilitation could be introduced, whether it's training them to apply for housing or for jobs or kind of break the cycle yeah, yeah. that 
to engage them in life to again. To engage them yeah. in life again, to give them the opportunity to, to, to give them hope, mm-hmm. to be somebody different, mm-hmm. to live a life that they might have never chosen. And, and it just strikes really close to who I am mm-hmm. as an individual because I have no idea what my birth parents are doing um, and I could have easily ended up, you know, mm-hmm. being the same if I didn't have the same type of support or community or family that I have right now. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hoping is, you know, with this program is it could break a cycle. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, we'll see with Brexit uh, that there will be some type of, uh, I don't know, some type of like, money injection into the idea of, of of preventing crime, of using VR for mental health and for for good, because I th- I think it could really help break break away from a perspective or a lifestyle that that you might be stuck in. Sometimes you just need a refresher. Sometimes you need to be somewhere else, and. Um, I've lived all around the world, so I always say to people, travel. Travel as much as you can. See the mm-hmm. world as much as you can. Talk to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And some people don't have that opportunity, mm-hmm. but you can do it in virtual reality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think options, it's all about options, I guess. Like giving people options to do something. Like having no options is the worst situation you can be in. And then you lose all hope, all mm-hmm. motivation, all... Why, well, all meaning of life, I guess, because there's no point to nothing anymore. But if you give someone an option, whether it's still in prison or whether, no matter whether you are in a situation where you actually don't know what to do anymore, but someone would give you a situation or to like explore options again, I think that's really important, and and that's with outside the prison exactly the same. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, okay, you're working within the prison, but there's many situations outside of, of prison where there's, I mean, like all the knife crimes that are happening. For example, often it's youth that, yeah, that just don't know anymore. They don't have I options. Know, yeah, they don't it's, have anything. It's, it's, it's having, it's not having those options, but it's also being consciously aware of your own emotions. Mm. And I think, I mm. think it was like. I'm not very good with with numbers, but there's a specific age where as a teenager or as a young adult, you're still developing a a part of your brain that that understands your own emotions. And Mm. I I definitely think that a lot of the time we just do, but we don't actually really understand why we do what we Mm. do. Mm. And, you know, this whole process of understanding your own emotions, if there's a way that we're allowed to use biometrics and help individuals understand how they feel Mm. why they feel the way that they feel Mm. people are always asking themselves that question Mm -hmm. what if you can create a virtual environment and you suddenly were put in a situation you started recognizing your own emotions your own thoughts and you could be empowered by that Mm. you were in control of your own body you're in control of your own emotions um not everything is done through you know meditation maybe visual aids are a a good way of doing it yeah yeah no, but it, it yeah, it sounds like an amazing program. So now you've run a pilot and or you start a pilot. I started with a them pilot and, and um, yeah. I, I guess we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. Just, what you have to remember is that there's cuts across social welfare. Mm. There's cuts uh, in the police. There's cuts, um, you know, absolutely everywhere. And and I'm not protecting the idea that all all prisoners are good people. Mm. Not not at all. But there's also a huge number of cuts in mental health. Mm. I know a lot of people who've 
you know, I've, I've had a friend that passed who committed suicide because she couldn't go see someone because she was on a waiting list. And there's so many people on the waiting list waiting for help. Mm. There's just this huge over-encumbered NHS and there's not enough people to help mm-hmm. who individuals who need help, whether it's depression or anxiety or other mental health problems. And I'm sure, you know, that there's individuals in the prison who've got, who need help, mm. who need, who've got post-traumatic stress disorder, who mm. have anxiety, who've got anger issues, and they just, they haven't had the help and the support that they needed. Mm. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you're, you do things that are stupid and you've, you, you regret them and sometimes you're an awful person who mm. com- committed a terrible crime. Mm. What you want is people to, to be part of a community and not be violent or aggressive mm. and do do terrible things to other mm. individuals and hurt mm. others or I don't know, something along those lines. I'm not I'm not saying that all prisoners are, you know, they happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, but sometimes there might be especially youth mm. who who um who just need extra help and support. And it's not, virtual reality isn't going to fix it. Mm. It's not. You need more help and support from the mm. government. You need more healthcare professionals who are mm. trained to deal with it. But if there's a way to potentially just change a few people's minds into understanding why they did what they did mm. or why they do what they do and how they could become a better person, why would you not do it? Yeah, I agree. It's a tool that you use that is complementing other basically tools within the system, the rehabilitation system or the the it's system. It's exactly. It's but it needs exactly exactly um, I mean it's similar in my case. It's it VR rehab it's yeah. a part of the system. It's not the, the solution for the whole thing because there's no. so many issues <laughs> that you can't solve, which are the long waiting times, the uh, the budget cuts and so on, and that's something that but you can at least use uses tools to to create awareness offer like an added solution offer a tool and that i think is something yeah that like vr and immersive technologies will have a big place outside of the gaming environment because it has such a uh, the pure entertainment space i mean because it has it can it can have potentially such a big impact on um on different fields where you can make a difference in mental health, in healthcare, education, training, awareness creation. Listeners or individuals should know VR is not a treatment. Mm. It's not a solution. Mm. It's it's just a helping tool to maybe help assist a ever-growing population with a over-encumbered health, mm. health system, wherever that may be. Yeah, I think that's a great message because that's that's very true. It's... it's uh, it's the same in like the VR in surgery. In the end, fine motor skills are really very important. So training, actually training with tools and objects and so on, is so key to train surgeons and be able. But then VR is just an extra added tool to help them just practice more, essentially. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. It sounds absolutely amazing what you're working on. And um, yeah, I think just just hearing your passion and, and the fact of well pushing pushing boundaries in, in such a variety of fields as well yeah. what you're doing whether it's within mental health prison systems and then diversity film as well because that's always i mean the storytelling part is always there i i think now i want to know a bit more about you as well still i mean it's amazing i could, we could talk for another hour i'm maybe. sure we can <laughs> yeah. it's um 
Yeah, it's so fascinating and, and, and just great, great to hear what you're doing. Uh, and I mean, we met like a couple of years ago, like four years ago, I, I think. think. so, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's been very, very fascinating to see and just great to see yeah. where, 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 we, where I ended up, where you are, where you ended up and what you've been doing these past years. Um, I've been mainly following you on Twitter because you were traveling all over the world <laughs> with VR Focus, but... Uh, but now you're here, so that's I'll great. still be doing I know. Things. Yeah, so yeah. Amazing. I absolutely. You're going to be doing even greater things going forward. So, um, but yeah. So, for example, on your travels, or when you say like experiences, mm. we've talked about immersive experiences, but like reading, for example, is that still something that you you do frequently? And if, if there's something, what are you reading today? And um, is it related to the technology or not at all? Is it related to something else? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I do read. Um, so the book that I so I got a book from London Tech Week, and it, it's by David Rowan. I think it's called Non Bullshit Innovation, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, I am a huge na like nature lover, mm -hmm. so there was another book that I bought for my birthday last year, which is I think the life of animals. Okay. Um, and that was really funny. It's it's all about how <laughs> how we use different species and animals and taxidermy, and we put our own human uh, culture culture history. And medicine on on these animals. Oh yeah, completely yeah. don't need it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like comparing human life to animal life. Yeah, in a way. and how it and how it's really like intertwined it. yeah. with pets, I guess, and stuff like that. Well, it, it's, it's even, like um, yeah. like for example, they used to cut uh, beaver balls, and okay. the, the scent of beaver balls were apparently used by men to help the hysteria of women that would come once a month. Oh, yeah. Um, and so and uh, they just culled all of these beavers because all of these women were on their period, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then they compared the American beaver to, like, you know, the New World and the, the European beaver to sort of this weird non-working uh, political class okay. of beavers who weren't hard-working. <laughs> just like, they're beavers, you know? <laughs> I like non-working political class. Yeah, of and like, for example, the eel. Yeah. Like, there's there's a whole chapter, so each chapter is about an animal. My favorite chapter is about the eel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, Freud, Freud, Freud's mm -hmm. first job was to dissect and cut into eels trying to find the genitalia of okay. eels okay. and to this day no one knows where where eels come from and it was all of these stories of how the scientific community across Europe um, were trying to find out what the what the sex was of mm -hmm. an eel and how they mated and um, it's, it's just really funny how people use use myths and historical inaccuracies and all of these tales these witches' tales to you know to find out why or what animals yeah. were, and then Freud ended up you know talking about. I mean, I just yeah, think yeah. that's quite interesting yeah, to see. I, it's a great book. Yeah, it's a I love animals. It yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but that's it's like great. It's well, you have the, the facts or the stories behind like yeah, the, and and the the woman who writes it's really funny. Yeah, as well. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've been trying to read Frankenstein, but it's so depressing. Oh yeah. Um. Like the first the written, yeah, the first version, yeah, 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 yeah. So I've kind of. 
put that on hold for for yeah, a yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's by the dart store <laughs> <Yeah. yes. laughs> but uh, okay very good uh, and then well so obviously I know what your favorite tech invention is or <laughs> no but what's your favorite tech or scientific invention I know one of them, but is there some like what, 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 your one? favorite tech or scientific invention? My favorite tech or yeah. scientific invention. I know you love VR and immersive technology, but aside from that, uh, I have a huge obsession with space. Space, yeah. And I'm really interested in like quantum mechanics and mm -hmm. physics mm -hmm. and dimensions, and uh, I I often find myself thinking about abstract thoughts and about time and reality and what reality we exist in and I suppose the idea of simulations do we live in the simulated world mm -hmm. if it, is it real is it not real mm -hmm. and sometimes when you come out of VR and you see the real world there's a an element of <laughs> yeah. is this real is this not real Surrealism. Like yeah. is, this, is there a glitch in the matrix yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm a huge huge fan of space travel okay and anything having to do with that area so mm. I, if, if if i had been smarter and more intelligent i would have probably i don't know wanted to work for nasa and um i think you're very smart and very intelligent oh, no, so. i'm not as smart <laughs> as those guys i i love i love it absolutely love it yeah no, I think it's it's about obviously interest and focus what what you had at the time, like. Uh, but it's amazing, yeah. Space travel is so fascinating and success, um, love it. Yeah, uh, one day Mars up there. That, that was like my when I was thirteen. <laughs> I did like a whole presentation about how we yeah, would yeah. be on Mars. And yeah, 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 we're we're still not on Mars. So. No. <laughs> okay, very good. And then. Um, if you would recommend, so, because you're a filmmaker, uh, you know obviously a lot about about the different film directors or producers. And is there is there one specific female film director that you would say that is an amazing woman? She's on amazing work, or she's on like very particular work that mm -hmm. we might not know about, and that's like super interesting and fascinating to look at. Might not even be your favorite one, but it might be like someone that's. Like, this is quite incredible what that what happened so there. I'm, so I kind of yeah. like jumped out of the film world uh, into the VR world just when female filmmakers were starting to uh, make yeah. their mark. Yeah, which is not that long ago. Which yeah. is not long ago. No, so I no. grew up learning only really about uh, male, male, male directors. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my favorite ones are like Stanley Kubrick, Ridley Scott, yeah, uh, yeah. Mike Lee, um, and... One of my favorite uh, directors who I studied was Ang Lee. Mm -hmm. um, but after Life of Pi, uh, I think my respect for him kind of slowly disappeared. Um, the reason why I enjoyed him versus some of the other directors is that he was able to go across different genres. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, especially in the UK, is if you're a storyteller, if you work in film, you work in just film. Mm -hmm. If you work in TV, you're you just work in just TV. Mm -mm. You can't go across different mm -mm. different formats. And I think that's wrong. Mm -hmm. As I was saying before, I think if you have a story and if that format is the right format to tell your story, why not? Yes, I understand that over time there's a craft that you develop that you engage with that you know off by heart and you know how to break the rules. Mm -mm. And I think that's great. Um, but the, the, there hasn't really been... 
a female filmmaker where I was, you know, maybe the when when they see us, that was a female. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 sure. I was crying in every single episode yeah, yeah, yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then, she's she's. I mean, I've only seen one episode, but it's already incredible. Well, she, did, she also yeah. did that documentary about the prison system as well. Oh yeah, so yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I the most recent film that I really enjoyed was by Olivia Wilde. Oh yeah, um, her new one, the Booksmart. Booksmart, yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's the one. And yeah. I'm I'm all about you know telling really engaging stories that are usually quite sad and <laughs> terrible, but probably maybe the key is and what I should have done is focus on comedy. And feel good um, because that's really what people want to see. I guess engage with, yeah, engage yeah. with. You yeah, don't yeah. want to just see depressing things all the time. <laughs> no, no, not all the time. But it's important still, obviously, it's to important. show. But but yeah, I guess the the overall majority of people, just because I guess the world today as well, they just want to escape in some really the, yeah, funny you come home things. From work, yeah, you've got the kids. Yeah, you, you don't really want to go through an experience that makes you cry or makes you feel upset. But mm. there's probably still a way to tell a story that's quite funny. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and heartwarming. Yeah, and, and beautiful. It's it, I saw a trailer of that movie actually, and it looks quite funny oh. about with the two girls. And, oh my god, it's uh, like super bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Hangover, but in a politically correct world yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but Olivia Wilde I mean she's amazing well I, I know her mainly as an actress but I I guess well her husband as well yeah um, yeah he's also an independent filmmaker yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. they're both so they they're, they've done some really great things together yeah, yeah yeah what's his name again I forgot now uh John Galikajskifinis oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I can't say his last name <laughs> it's like a long Polish name oh yeah 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 no but yeah okay that's amazing I'll have a I'll watch it at some yeah, point as well. It's good. Um, and I like what you said about, or uh, also earlier about the choose the medium that works for the story. And I'm an avid listener of Radio Lab, mm-hmm. and it's great. If you've never listened to it, it's like a podcast as well. But they kind of take you. They would kind of try and go into the facts. For example, they would tackle life of animals, mm-hmm. but then they would create this whole storytelling around it. Oh. It's like an almost an hour of podcast, and it's like, what is happening? <laughs> Inside the movie, and it's like, oh my god, that's insane. Oh, okay, yeah. What's it called? Radio Lab. Radio Lab. Yeah, okay. yeah. it's it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Final question. An album because I love music. I think it's a very immersive experience for me, like an escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, is there an album or a song that you would say has? It's just a special meaning for you, and why, or it has impacted you in some way. Um, yeah, so there's one album I've probably been listening to for maybe four or five years, mm. and I play it whenever I can't sleep. And I'm pretty sure I must have had like an out of body experience, like just listening to it over and over again. But it's called Spaces, okay, by Niels Fram. Okay, and I know Niels Fram, yeah, yeah, so it's good. I don't know why specifically that album, mm. um, but it's it's almost like there's a story mm. in the music, mm. and again, it has no dialogue. No, it's, it's just pure instrumental. It's just pure instrumental, mm. and I love the sound of kind of that distortion of noise, mm-hmm. where you can hear the piano key and how soft it is or how hard it is, mm. and you can hear the space around and people coughing and that live music element mm. to it, and. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is about that album, um, but I, I listen to it a lot. Uh, there, there's a kind of love, 
I think it's um, Love and Bones by Michael Mikanawa. Okay. Yeah. As well, that yeah. one is also it's got that that same upswell. Yeah, yeah. And um, the things that he sings about it just it feels like it's very much from the heart and from mm-hmm. the soul. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you listen to albums over and over again, and you're just like, oh, I'm just getting quite bored of this now. But for for some reason, his album I can yeah. always listen to. Yeah. I have a few one of those as well. Yeah, I can I can relate. It's it's strange how it does that. Like there's you put on that music and well for some reason it just takes you somewhere it works and in for the mood that you're in. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, obviously there's a few songs that you could probably find as well that do the same sure. thing. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Al- albums is kind of like a thing of the past, almost, mm, isn't mm. it? Yeah, just yeah. listen to songs now. Yeah, yeah, Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My Spotify list, or I don't know, uh, Apple Music one, and it's like a mix of everything. But it's true, yeah. Um, yeah, albums, I guess it's it's not as much... It's still around, I guess, for the... Mm. But, I, but it's well, less been, of an issue I've anymore. I've been listening to yeah. Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah. Eilish, yeah, yeah the, the young girl, woman, right? Yeah, and like recently I've been listening to her just going to sleep, and that music is not... No, it's peaceful. very... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. maybe that reflects something uh, inside us as like an angsty, yeah, angry yeah. teenager that feel hopeless in the political climate. Yeah, because it's very like um, it's kind of rap style, no? What she, well, it's not rap, rap, but it's more like she tells a story when she's doing the songs. No, it's not like um, I would. I almost maybe not, feel like I um, yeah. her story. Like there aren't real sort of stories. Sometimes there is a story, but it, it definitely is very bassy, and then it goes into very light ethereal because her voice goes up really high mm. and then it's really bassy okay um and she does yeah it's really hard to explain i suppose I, I'll, I'll listen to it a bit yeah, yeah. i haven't listened to i know who she is but i haven't listened to her music yeah i like her old album actually mm. i think that one's okay. really quite nice okay um and you, you i can't believe she's so young either it's yeah she's like but she also has tourette syndrome yeah i, I saw that yeah, yeah, yeah and she, she she's also a heavy advocate for like diversity yeah, and and yeah. so on and she's also um, anti-drugs yeah, as well so. yeah amazing Big. no i i saw a short i think that's how i know her probably like a short interview with her where she was explaining like importance of of like well she lives a healthy a good life like yeah. a, as good life as possible and then she her diversity stands and being open to people and not judging and, and she, what I like about her as well is that you know when you see all of these other singers it's mm. all about the way that you look with her she definitely has a style but it's not sexualized yeah it's just more like comfortable clothing yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can't really judge her on her on body yeah, yeah you can only judge her on her performance and mm. the way that she does her music instead yeah, yeah. of her appearance yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I think a lot of a lot of people relate to that, mm-hmm. especially yeah. women. Yeah, absolutely, and as, and also young women in that sense, I guess, because you're constantly judged. Always, especially from now. like, especially now, especially even more. Now. I would hate to grow up now. Yeah, me too. I don't think I could it's, do it. It's quite horrible being a teenager today. I Is think it? it's quite. Yeah. Okay. We even for really even for boys, yeah, for boys as well. I think it's hard to grow up now. It's such a crazy world. I mean, there's so many pressures so many impulses but also there's no like when i would leave school we can uh, when i when i would leave school you just close the door essentially and then 
it was okay there was a phone yeah but that was it yeah but now it's 24 7 yeah, and continuous contact they, like through yeah continuous contact is quite heavy right okay. <laughs> this was absolutely amazing very yeah thanks for coming on the show and it was really good to have you and all the best with everything you do yeah, and um you. keep us posted how can people find you and get in touch um, well, you can look me up on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, Nina Salomons, S-A-L-O-M-O-N-S, or on Twitter, at Jelly Bee Film, same mm-hmm. thing on Instagram. I will add it to the show notes as well, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, hook me up. If you have something that you think is relevant that could use a new technology, I'm interested. I want to hear what the story is. For me, the most important thing is how can we use technology technology to change or create a solution that really is impactful mm-hmm. and something that could be used to make things more seamless and easier. Mm. Um, and if you are, I mean, it's, I'm not sure if you are in London, but if you are based in London, um, you can probably check out the demo room. We are showcasing all of these new hardware and software technologies. Um, book, book a time, hook me up, DM me, send me a LinkedIn message annoy me tell me what you're looking for and then hopefully i can accommodate cool very cool all right thanks so much and best of luck with the all the projects but especially the prison one as well um and the film Mm. hopefully it can get started soon as well yeah um so yeah thanks everyone thanks for listening bye